It's the Jersey Baseball Show for today. We welcome you to this uh, TGIM feature. Thank God it's Monday, and we are talking a great story of perseverance. We're talking about a great story of uh, overcoming obstacles. We're talking a great story of great pitching here. We've got Josh Cohen, our guest today, who's uh, at Sacred Heart University now, um, ready to, to show his stuff, formerly Bergen, uh, Bergen Community College, um, formerly UConn, Indian Hills High School, with a, a great story for everybody. And uh, welcome, Josh, and thanks for, for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So by the time this airs, you will be back at school. Let's uh, let's first, before we get into your story, just talk about your excitement for the season. Um, see how we get Sacred Heart to the top of the NEC. You know, it's a tough conference. You got Bryant, you got a couple other schools that are a central Connecticut was the champ last year. Um, but but how are we going to uh, how are we going to get Sacred Heart to the top? And how excited are you to get to show your stuff on the uh, on the D1 stage? Yeah, I'm extremely excited. Um, this is actually technically my first season of college baseball. I don't count my JUCO season because we played 13 games in the middle of COVID. So it wasn't really the real thing. So this is going to be a real thing for me. Very excited. Very excited for the team as well. Um, we performed very well in the fall. These are, you know, these are all new guys to me. So I love all of them. I uh, had a great time with them. And I see a lot of success with our team, especially our pitching staff. Really good stuff. And my pitching coach. Shout out to Coach Maz. He's the, he's the GOAT. Definitely. And, and you just mentioned something I mean, with, uh, I guess, with, with everything with COVID, you are technically still a freshman eligibility, right? Yeah. So as crazy as it sounds, everyone always asks me that. So my freshman year was the COVID year at UConn. And then when I transferred to Bergen, um, JUCOs in New Jersey didn't count towards eligibility. So this will technically be my first year out of four and I'm 21. Yeah. So, that, you know, you can do the math with that, but it's kind of crazy <laughs> how life has worked in the last few years. The world's oldest freshman, and 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 that's perfect because obviously your story is anything but typical. So why should that be either, right? That's right. That's right. So growing up, you know, baseball prodigy, outstanding talent. You know, travel baseball, hitting mid eighties early in your high school career. Everything was going, you know, great, and certainly on a D one track. And 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 your life changes on on July fourth, twenty sixteen. Yeah. Uh, take us through what you know, that and what happened. And we'll talk about, you know, what, what happened as a result. Yeah. So, I mean, guess kind of long story short, um, July 4th, 2016. This, so this is my summer going into my junior year of high school, originally class 2018 had three class 2019. Um, so on that day, July 4th, I took a picture with some friends zoomed in on that picture of my face in that, in that picture. And I saw my, the right side of my face right here. It was a little distorted. Saw my eye was popping out a little bit. Didn't think much of it. You know, I was 15 at the time. What do I care? I'm growing a lot at the time. As a freshman, I'm about 5'4", maybe 5'5". Five, five. And by the end of my sophomore year, I was like 5'10 and 5'11". So I grew a lot. So I'm like, oh, it's a growth thing. No big deal. So a few nights later, I'm out to dinner with my family. Sitting across one of my sisters, Kaylin. And she goes, Josh, what the hell's wrong with your face? And my mom goes, stop making fun of him. But then she looks at me yeah. and she goes, yeah, and I believe that. Yeah. She goes, stop making fun of him. That's her first reaction as a mom. But then she looks right. at me, she goes, wait, something is wrong. Looks like right side of your face is a little distorted and whatnot. So I noticed that, but I didn't know anything, you know, about it. So then immediately, a few nights later, or a few days later, he took me to the pediatrician. Um, so that was our first course of action. He didn't especially say what was wrong, but he saw something was definitely not right. Um, but he didn't want to pinpoint what it was. So he sent me to get an x-ray, no cysts, no fractures, nothing like that. So I'm like, oh, it's a growth thing. I'm growing a lot. Um, and then I went to a few radiologists, went to a uh, ear, nose, throat doctor, 
They didn't see anything. Saw a bunch of these professional radiologists, and one in mind, he put obviously put a glove on, put his hand in my mouth, and he's like, "Feels like there's a lip of tobacco in your mouth." I'm like, "It's a good thing because I don't do that anyways." But uh, obviously, why would I have a lip in my mouth right now? And he goes, "It's weird. Just feels like there's a you know a mass there or whatever." So I'm like, "Okay, I mean, it's probably a growth thing. I don't know what it is. No one knew what it was. You don't ever expect cancer." And to begin with, so ever, you know, ever let alone at age 15. Exactly. So it's not on our minds at all. Yeah. Exactly. So then um, they sent me to get a CT scan and MRI, and that's where it popped up. So on July 20th, 2016, I was diagnosed with a rare form of bone cancer called Ewing sarcoma, specifically in my zygoma bone, my cheekbone right here. And then immediately, about seven to 10 days later, so it was August 1st, 2016, started my first day of chemotherapy. That went from August 1st, 2016 to April 7th, 2017. And in the middle of that, I had proton beam radiation. So that was November 15th to January 6th of 2017, um, which actually I just came across my five-year mark of radiation, of being radiation-free. Um, but that was my story. Uh, my life changed on a dime. And um, and yeah, that's the story of Josh Cohen right there. <laughs> Life-changing. Yeah. All of a sudden you're 15 and everything get, kind of flips and and you know, just day to day, right? You don't know. Now, what one thing that I, I found kind of, I guess it says all we need to know about you is that, was it the, right before you began treatment, one la- you're not supposed to be doing anything, one last, you know, you go out there one last time to throw and we, and we, and, and what happens? That's right. So I, uh, this is July 18th, two days. No, it was a few days before. I think it was maybe the 17th. And I knew kind of, I was speculating what was going on. I knew something wasn't right with my health. And I knew there was something, you know, looming above. So I was like, okay, this might be my last game for a while. Let it eat. Let it all out. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. I ended up throwing a no-hitter, which is crazy enough. I threw a no-hitter at PCTI. It was during a summer league game, I believe it was. And um, that was pretty special to me. It was pretty crazy. And three days later, diagnosed with cancer. Had to be on pause for about 10, 11 months. And then I actually came right back, my first game back. I was still bald, fat, everything like that. And um, I didn't let up a hit. I struck out the side, struck out all three. And I was like, I'm back, baby. I'm back. So, yeah, really, football players, you hear about them throwing, you know, throwing a touchdown pass on a broken ankle. Like, that's impressive. You you, you had cancer, you throw a no hitter. And I didn't even know it at the time. I didn't even know. That's right. That's right. So, you, you know, anybody. since then or anybody who ever would have doubted your toughness i think they that kind of went away i would think yes <laughs> i would hope so <laughs> um, but you know obviously the the treatments you know your life changes instantly right i mean you scheduled to be a going into your junior year with uh, at indian hills with with one of our our buddies and your like lifelong friend joe maselli who we had on here recently um and, and obviously then instantly that's not happening and and you're your life becomes hospital and, and trans, you know, chemo treatments and transfusions and, you know, for a otherwise, cause you weren't sick. Right. I mean, you weren't like, there was nothing physically, obviously nothing physically wrong with you. Yeah, you know, no, I, uh, hard to grasp. Yeah. I had leading up to that. I had no symptoms whatsoever. I had no side effects. I was a healthy kid, 15 years old. I just had hit 87 for the first time in my life, which is pretty yeah. crazy for me as a 15 year old. I was at a showcase, hit 87, you know, I was feeling great. The only thing about me was I ate everything. So like I wasn't fat, but like I was kind of like thick 
and I would eat every. Yeah, I was 15. You know, you're a growing kid. You eat anything. And I was just, that's what I was doing at the time. I didn't feel anything. And then all of a sudden, boom, on a snap of a finger, you're like, you know, uh, my mom comes to me and then I'm in the hospital at one point and then my doctor sent me down. They're like, Josh, but you have cancer. And then the famous story I tell everyone is the first thing I said when I was told I had cancer wasn't, am I going to survive? The first thing I said was, when's the next time I can pitch again? And I always <laughs> say this, I say this in every story I give is you can call my doctors on it. You can call my mom on it. That's exactly the first thing I said, because, you know, I didn't know what I was getting into at the time, still 15. You know, I was, I mean, you're immature. You don't know what's going on, but I knew I was going to survive. I just wanted to play baseball again, man. Like that's been my passion since I was maybe five years old and that's all I wanted to do. So, you know, what was, the, what was the hardest point? Was it just not being able to play? Were there other low points that, that you had to kind of mentally get your head around and bounce back? For in a baseball sense, you're talking just that that whole kind of journey through everything to become, you know, to be clear of uh, cancer. Yeah. So, I mean, the toughest part, I think, for me was going to because I still want to participate in my team's practices as much as I could. No matter if I was going to treatments, I just my mom recalls a situation, too, where I just had a blood transfusion and a platelet transfusion. And I was like, can I just go to a practice? Like, I just want to watch some practice. I want to do something. I can't you know, do this. I just can't just keep doing this. So we drove to my practice and um, I just got there at the end of practice. And I was like, All right, I want to run the bases. I want to do something, you know? So, you know, when I'm going through my treatment and stuff like that, you're not the same, you know, you're weaker. Um, my balance is off and whatnot. So my mom recalls that I, I want to run the bases. So I ran the bases. I took a, a round around first base and I tripped and I fell and I get up and I'm like, Okay, I'm not, I'm not doing well. And the thing is, the scary thing is actually when uh, you're going through chemotherapy, your blood counts remain very low because the chemo not only kills all the cancer cells, it kills all the rest so of the cells. Yeah. Exactly. So my blood counts were so low. So if you end up getting a bruise or you start bleeding, there's a chance that it won't stop. So when I fell after running on the bases, I get up and I saw some scratches on my knee and some bruising. I'm like, oh God, like this is not good. So I immediately stopped, got back in the car. And uh, yeah, that was a pretty crazy story. But, <laughs> but I would say probably the hardest thing, which I don't share with a lot of people, the hardest, one of the hardest things about this journey was probably in the first month when I was, you know, I was taking a shower. I just got like one or two treatments already down and I have about 12, 13 more left. I'm in the shower, put my hands in my head and I take my hands out and I see my hands are full with, full of hair. And then I'm like, this is the scariest, most degrading thing I've ever seen in my life and I was 15 still I didn't know like come on and uh that was scary because I was like I saw my own hair fall out and I couldn't do anything about it and um that's definitely what changed me made me grow up real fast made me appreciate the little things in life with that so I was gonna say you know we people talk about really going through something like that you know how it might change it but you've you've lived it you know yeah. how did how did that change you you know, not just on the field, obviously, and, and taking advantage of every opportunity and, you know, really going after things. But, you know, how did it change you beyond that? So uh, mentally ended my childhood real fast because um, my life stopped on a dime. I went from playing baseball to being in a hospital, getting chemotherapy treatment. So my life changed real fast, grew up real fast. It's funny you say that because I took a mental age test the second I was done with my treatments. And I was still 16 at the time. So I had my birthday in the middle of my treatments, which is just fantastic. My 16th birthday. Yeah, happy 16, right? That's yeah, sweet. right. It was yeah. terrible. And uh, so I finished my treatments. I took a mental age test. Still 16. 
said I was 54. Huh. So um, I take this test. And I'm like, ages you, wow. And I'm like, yeah, you've been through some shit. <laughs> like, it yeah. was, uh, it was pretty bad. So um, I saw some things which I probably shouldn't have seen at that age, either for myself or like when I'm in the clinic or the hospital and, and I'm myself getting treatment. And I look Other in the patients. next room, I look in the next room and I see a literally a one or two year old getting chemotherapy. And I'm like, this is horrible. Like, yeah. like, like what the, they haven't even lived a life yet. Like, come on. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just saw some, you know, I had an experience myself where I was very, very close to, you know, seeing it like death. Um, my accounts were so low at one point. Um, I was like in and out and my mom was driving to the hospital and I got there, I got a blood transfusion, platelet transfusion. And the doctor said, if I was about 20, 25 years older and I was about 40 and I hadn't gone, I hadn't gone in at the time I did, I probably would have had a heart attack and died or something like that. Like, I had some brutal moments, so I grew yeah. up real fast. Yeah, and now go back to high school, right? I mean, like, how how does that, you know, it's so, just a different life than everybody else has had. Yeah, they gave me the option actually to continue schooling during my treatment. They're like, you can do online schooling. You can. I'm like, no. I'm like, how would, how would I even be able to focus on anything school related? You know, exactly. And first of all, why am I? Why do I want to learn something when I'm literally, you know, dying yeah. right now? Like, yeah. I, and I'm I'm very open about this stuff. So like, and I joke about it. So I don't really care as much anymore especially since i'm almost five years out so i think back to i'm like why would a kid so sick want to do school work like yeah, i'd rather worry about my health exactly i'd rather worry about my health and i was young enough at the time because i was really young for my grade of 2018 that I'll, i would just be able to reclass and make friends real fast because i'm a personal guy and you know just go on with life so that's what i did definitely and and you made a contact along the way i mean ewing sarcoma obviously rare first of all yeah. where you had it is like rare isn't even the word it's, it's yeah you know it, it, it usually it hits your know, lo, you know, lower body but yes. but you made a, a connection that really had a big impact on you in the in the sports world tell us about that a little yes yeah, so about again a month in my treatment um so i started my treatment 181 pounds in the first month i lost 17 pounds so it's about 164 pounds pretty pale pretty skinny skinniest i've ever been really and um, so the hospital I was at, Hackensack Hospital, is affiliated with the New York Giants. At the time, for the New York Giants, they had a linebacker by the name of Mark Herzlich. Mark Herzlich was a linebacker for Boston College. And when he was in college, he was also diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma in his hip area, which is the common area of mine was in my cheekbone. Um, so somehow Hackensack made that connection with me to have lunch with Mark during one of their practices, go to their practices, see the guys, you know, play do some drills, get some autograph stuff, take some pictures. I was like, hell yeah. So I had lunch with Mark, Strahan, a bunch of those guys. We just sat down. It's me and my mom. And uh, so this is at lunch. They just finished practice or they just finished like a segment of practice, got some food. And he's like, come on, let's go get some food. So I'm like, okay. So I get this little plate of food and Mark comes back with this huge, <laughs> huge platter of, you know, stacked on top of each other. Right. So sit down. He goes, all right, before I teach you anything, make, give you any lessons said, you got to eat more, dude. I'm like, I'm like, okay. Like oh, anything you say, you know, he's famous. You he's, say, a, Mark, he's, a, yeah. he's a professional football player. I'm like, great. I'll like, I'll do whatever. So he says, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to let you know this. When I was going through treatment, he said, I was bald and I was fat and I didn't care. He said, if I had a steak, I put it between two buns and I would eat it. If I had a cheeseburger, I'd make a double cheeseburger, whatever it is. He's like, you got to pack on weight you got to pack on food so your body can produce and fight and keep going 
I say, say no more. And I was like, if Mark was able to do that, I'm going to do that. So from that point on, I was 164 and I ended my treatment on April 7th at 208 pounds. So I put on 44 pounds in that span. And that's probably the biggest thing that saved my life was allowing my body to fight on its own. And you don't hear many stories like that. A lot of people no. that go through a lot of people that go through cancer treatments, they lose weight fast and they can't they can't get it back. My body's too weak. And I said, to hell with that. Uh, I'm going to put on weight. I'm going to let my body fight and I'm going to come back, you know, the same kid I was. So that's exactly what I did. And I'm forever thankful for Mark. I wish I still had a connection with him. I'm going to try and make a connection with him in the future. Um, but that was a definitely life-changing moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we've got a comeback story to, to beat all comeback stories out of that. And, you know, to go from there on the road to 95 is, is not the, uh, not the typical road to 95, but, you know, you come back then, I guess, right in, in 2017, um, 2018, you play your junior year, senior year, 2019, and um, still go D1 anyway to a, to a great program. That's right. That's right. I had a, I committed my junior year going to my senior year at, um, for UConn. Then my senior year at Indian Hills, I had a, a great year under Coach Hill, um, who's a great coach, great, great guy. Um, and led me in a lot of great places. Um, I had a great senior year. I led the state in strikeouts for as long as I can remember until playoffs because we didn't really do much in playoffs in states or counties, but led the state in strikeouts. I was a nominee for player of the year. I didn't win it, but my roommate at UConn, Sam Favieri, actually won it, which was, if, if anyone's going to win it, I would let him win it because yeah. um, that's my that's my boy. And, um, you know, that was just, I went 7-0. and I had like a, a sub-1 ERA, whatever it was. Great year. And then, you know, and that was, uh, that was it. Why not become D1? And I did. So, yep. Yep. Now, UConn didn't go. I mean, the, it wasn't the, the full movie ending at UConn, right? I mean, that's, or it just created a different movie. Yeah. But, you know, UConn, I guess you kind of got caught up in what so many other freshmen around the country got caught up in was, you know, COVID and sort of the resulting backlog of players, right? That's right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, and that, yeah, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. So, I mean, that was kind of the story of it. You know, you're in the middle of my freshman year of college and COVID hits. No one knows what it is. You know, everything's kind of up in the air and everyone comes back because they get the free opportunity to come back. So on top of everyone coming back, about like almost all the roster and whatnot, my mental wasn't totally, totally there because I was confused with COVID and everyone coming back, my playing time and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I was like, you know what? I think I need a fresh start and as much as I didn't want to leave because I didn't. I ended up doing so, but yeah. um, I'm forever thankful for my time at UConn. Loved everyone there. I was just, you know, time for a change. Great, great program. Obviously, it's one of the, you know, one of the best in the Northeast. But you go from there to uh, to Bergen Community College, um, yes. which you almost lost that entire season as well, right? If I recall, Bergen wasn't even going to play for a, a long portion of last year, and then yes. had a very small schedule fortunately this has got you and joe on the on the field yeah but you know how did we perform when we finally were able to get on the field and and, and throw for college in uh last spring yeah so funny you say that because my success wasn't as much as i wanted it to be or as high as i wanted it to be um it was my first experience in a college setting actually pitching in a real season shortened season about 13 14 games no home games in the middle of covid so many things going on i'm back home so many moving parts um, I, my mentally, my mentally just, I wasn't there, wasn't prepared and I made a big change for myself. So in the middle of the season, um, I actually don't share this with many people, so I'm going to share it. 
um, on this, on this interview right here, but I actually went to go see a therapist, um, in order to get my mental in the right spot. And I did that helped me out a, uh, a, a large amount. It flipped my life 180. Um, and, uh, so that was big for my mental also. So my Bergen career was a, a life changing thing for me. Cause I saw where it was to be at the bottom of the bottom. Cause like I told you, I didn't really face much adversity in a baseball sense before college and UConn happened, you know, it is what it is. And then I got the burger. I'm like, okay, you'll be fine. And I get that. I'm like, you know, maybe you're not fine. Maybe you're not ready for it yet. So I took my mental health into another aspect. I was like, all right, you got to get that in order before anything else. So went to go see a therapist, started taking care of myself more. But the most eye-opening thing was when I went to California for summer ball this past summer, changed my baseball career, changed my perspective on baseball forever. And now I'm totally good mentally, physically ready to go. This season's going to be great. And, uh, see my name in draft board definitely what was the if there was one thing that that helped you turn around mentally because i can't you know yeah you didn't have maybe have you know it was when you were on the field it was pretty smooth up to that point but it's enough life adversity for like seven or eight lifetimes up to that uh, you're telling what, me <laughs> what's what's the one thing that you learned from that process last spring that is going to help you most moving forward? So the thing that helped me move forward the most from the spring slash summer was that it's a kid's game. You know, I've been playing this game since I was five years old. And the most life-changing thing for me is I go to California. You know, in the spring, I'm trying to still figure myself out, but I go to California in the spring and I, I'm put with a host family, someone I don't know, this family sure. I don't know, across the entire country. My host mom, Nicole, host dad, James, and then I have a host brother and sister. Host brother's Ben, host sister's Maddie, and Ben plays baseball. So I'm like, I get to California a few days before my first game, and I go to one of his games. I'm like, okay, I go to California because I want to get everything out of my mind. What's the, what can I learn right here to help me for the future? So I'm at his baseball game, right? And he's 11 at the time. He turned 12 when I was there. And I'm like, all right, they're picking up a ball and they're throwing. They're hitting, they're pitching. The game's the same. The ball's the same. I'm like, why am I making this so much more difficult than it is? Because there's a whole world up here that doesn't exist. Reality is reality, but up here, you so many things are going on and whatnot. I'm like, you're making this so complicated. It's a kid's game. Like, it's just the only thing that's different is everyone's bigger, stronger, and throws harder. <laughs> Everything else is the same. Umpires, gloves, bat, ball, whatever it is. So I'm like, chill out. Don't make the game go by so fast. Cherish it and have some fun. And that was the biggest thing for me was, you know, being a kid again, having that confidence and just going out there and playing like it's a ball game in my backyard. So. That's exactly what I did. Absolutely. And you said five years from uh, cancer-free on May 1st coming up, yes. so a few months away. You've got a goal for that day, specifically for that day that I want to <laughs> ask you to share with us. We're at 95 now. Or we ma we've maxed 95 now, but we hit, can't push past that. So what is our uh, what's <laughs> happening on May 1st? May 1st, we have a game at home against LIU. May 1st, 2022, I will hit 98 miles an hour. That will be my five-year anniversary of being cancer-free. I'm going to be all energized, all ready to go, because that five-year window is a big mark for cancer survivors where they're really putting everything in the rear view. So at that day, I'm going to be feeling good. I'm going to let it loose, and I'm going to hit 98. I'm going to hit an eight, and I know it. Poor LIU, right? <laughs> While throwing strikes. Don't forget, though. That's right. That's right. That's right. Otherwise, you just do a pull-down and say you're at a 104 or something like That's that. That's right. That's right. Well, Josh, we uh, we certainly wish you the best. 
Um, definitely be following Sacred Heart this year. Keep an eye on where where you are. De you know, let's let's get some some. Let's take that next step. Draft day, and uh, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, sir. Thank you. I just want to give a quick shout out to a bunch of people that helped me as well because I know this will yeah. be going a lot of places. My trainer Jerry Forestieri, my pitching coach Evan Daniele, my advisor, and my one of my closest friends, um, mentors ever, Tommy Barbella and my parents, um, you know, everyone else along the way, my physical therapist, Nick Mangone, like everybody has been such a great help to me and all my teammates, friends, everything. Um, it's been, it's been quite the journey and I'm not done yet. So I want to thank everybody for that. You've got a lot of great people surrounding you as you just kind of rattled off there. So, uh, that's, that's what makes great things happen, right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yes, sir. For sure. Josh Cohen, our guest here on uh, on today's episode. We thank everyone for joining us and look forward to uh, seeing you all next time. Thank you. Appreciate it.